I am honored to bring you this episode today. This episode, we are going to be having a conversation with Rhonda Dodson. Rhonda Dodson is a client of mine, and I've watched Rhonda do the amazing. To go from being afflicted by multiple sclerosis because she was diagnosed over 30 years ago and turn her diagnosis around to her mowing the lawn again, to her living this beautiful life that she lives. And this is all with her power of belief. And this is what you are going to be witness to today. And the joy that I have witnessing Rhonda experience a thriving life. So welcome to the Identity of Health podcast. And I am so excited for you to hear today and hear this story today of hope, love, and wisdom of somebody that thrives with MS. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited to have Rhonda Dodson here with us today. Rhonda Dodson is on her journey of overcoming MS forever, to be symptom-free, to live this amazing life that Rhonda lives. Rhonda is a mother of three boys. Also, she has two granddaughters. She's been married for 12 years and was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1986. So one thing I love about Rhonda is she is driven with perseverance to overcome MS forever. And she tries everything and does everything. But I've had the pleasure of watching Rhonda go from kind of holding the walls as she walked down the hallway to walking down the hallway. And then just this last weekend, she mowed her lawn (laughs) and also removed a tree out of her path that was there. Rhonda, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited about having you here. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. You are so, so welcome. So Rhonda, tell me a little bit more about from the initial part of when you were diagnosed, and we got laughing about this, that in pre-show a little bit, in 1986, there wasn't information out there on things to do. Right. Well, um, I, I want to take you back to when I was very, very young, because um, as I think, I mean, I've had lots of years to think about this, obviously, but um, I know that when I was in sixth grade, um, out um, and the, doing gym outside, something happened in my head and it felt wrong. And, um, you know, I told the teacher, I told my parents and they were like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But when you have something happen to you like that, you know, it's not right. So, um, you know, and that went away the very, that very same moment, but I remember it and I can picture what the circle liked at the bus, the bus circle and what the school looked like. And um, what we were doing, we were playing kickball or kickball, get finishing kickball. And um, it was just, it was just disturbing for me. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that didn't happen again until I was in middle school, which would start the next year. Um, I had lots of episodes of being dizzy, but not really spinning. The doctor would say, so you're spinning. No, you're not. I'm not spinning. It's just mm-hmm. a very strange feeling. Um, tired a lot, but not exhausted. But I wasn't 
like everybody else that had lots of energy and nobody had these dizzy things. And so, um, I just, I just didn't feel well. And you said like, you just like almost like a vertigo dizzy feeling. Yeah. Like like, hard to pinpoint. Yeah, I know. And, and doctors just couldn't, they couldn't understand what I was talking about. They, they, you know, were all trying to figure out, oh, you probably have this, you might have that, or, you know, many doctor trips and I'd leave and they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, okay, you know, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm going to go back with my life. And then it kept happening. So, um, yeah. And so then one doctor, when I was in uh, probably about ninth grade, mm-hmm. my mother took me to a neurologist and mm-hmm. he did a nasal lead EEG on me. And he said, well, you might have temporal lobe epilepsy. So why don't you take this Dilantin? Well, oh, what, did, what did that do to me? It just made me sleep. Mm-hmm and sleep and sleep and sleep. So that wasn't the answer. You know, everybody, everybody in my life wanted to have an answer, including me. Right. So you think, yeah, of course. So. And you're in ninth grade at this point, Rhonda, like ninth grade, like just kind of like, what the heck is wrong with me? I know exactly. And, you know, I go to the nurse's office and they're like, well, just lay down here, you know, you'll be okay. But it just always, and it would go away. And then it would come back, you know, and then my father came home. He said, one of my friends said, your hair is too long and it's probably causing a year problem. So I'm like, we're not cutting my hair. I'm not going pseudo medicine on my hair is too long. I'm a parent. So I I would grasp at things, I suppose. But it just, you know, I remembered that today. I'm like, oh, I remember when dad wanted to cut my hair. He thought that was my problem. So, you know, God. But, you know, I then I did all the normal things in school. You know, I played piano. I was in musicals and sports. Mm-hmm. I was on the archery team. I did a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And at those times, nothing was happening. But yeah. it would come back, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That That is, you know, I, I find that fascinating how individuals like our parents and your parents and I'm a parent. And so when you look at it, is anything wrong with your kids or your friend's kids? You just want to come up with any solution, even if it means cutting your hair because they think it's too long. Right. Exactly. Too heavy and too long. Oh, my God. So so then I graduated from high school. No problem. Mm -hmm. And then my first college experience was radiology school. And I was so interested in it. But then I started having really bad symptoms, like I would be in the dark room developing films. We used to do that back in 1976. <laughs> and um, and I would just not feel well. And mm. I, I had to go home. And so it was just a, a failure, really, about for myself and in college that first time. Um, so then I I just worked at a store and then I went back to college in 77 in okay. medical technology school. And I did not have any horrible things, symptoms while I was in college a second time. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the crazy thing about MS as far as I, my experiences are that you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, w- I was really glad that I was able to get my degree in medical technology Um Um, I got a position working as a medical lab technician at a hospital and I worked there for 20 years. However, you know, it wasn't all smooth sailing because of course you probably realized that my symptoms were going to come back just because I have symptoms for a couple of years. Um, Nine years later, they diagnosed you with multiple sclerosis. 
Right, exactly. And so, yeah, I didn't see at this point, I didn't know what I had. I still thought there was something, you know, that I was making it up in my head or something, but Mm -hmm. I got married in 82 and um, my first son was born in 83. And right after that, I had optic neuritis. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, but nobody said, oh, you probably have MS then. Of course, the neural or the, uh, the doctor probably was thinking that perhaps, but he didn't say anything. Um, but they, you know, it resolved with no, no medication. And then after my second son was born, when he was an infant, um, all of a sudden I had this drop down to the floor feeling. It just, mm. I went, event, it went right, I went right to the floor because I was so, um, vertigo dizzy. Now I had two sons. One was two and one was an infant okay. in a, you know, in a chair and wow. baby chair. So my two-year-old got the phone down. I called my father-in-law and I said, there's something wrong. I'm on the floor. He came, he called an ambulance and went to the ER and they did all kinds of tests. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't find anything wrong with you, but the ER doctor said, I want you to make a neurologist appointment. And then the beat was on. Mm-hmm. Um, the neurologist did an MRI, which showed nothing, but because of my Mm. symptoms and all my, I told him my whole story. He said, I believe you have MS. Mm. Well, you know, your heart just sinks. I'm like, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be in a wheelchair? Mm -hmm. Um, what if I want to have another baby? He said, Mm -hmm. let me just tell you something, Rhonda. You're not at this point. I can see that it's not going to be as bad as you're imagining in your head. He said, you will probably live a normal life. He said, you're, um, you, you'll die from something else. You're not going to die from this. He said, and don't, don't go down that path. I had the best neurologists at that point. We really talked good. about him and how well, he encouraged yeah, you. He was the first one. He was the very first one. Um, all of them, except for the one I had to get rid of, but, um, mm-hmm. So anyways, um, after that all happened, I, you know, I did all the normal things. I, my kids were, once, once I had that diagnosis, I kind of moved on and the symptoms went away. It was relapsing, remitting. Okay. It was relapsing, remitting. Um, unfortunate for me in 1986, they didn't have any disease modifying drugs. So there was nothing to give me like that. Yeah. And, um, I feel fortunate because, um, I don't want to take drugs. Mm-hmm. And I feel that um, I wasn't going to take something that could possibly make me worse. Yes. And I, I know now that there's some people do get worse taking drugs. I'd rather treat myself, you know, and the doctors were right. You can do this yourself. And, mm-hmm. and it's true. Sometimes I didn't feel like it, but. Um, the fact you know, that you had a doctor that pointed you down more of a natural, you can treat it yourself and gave you that ounce of hope, even if it was yep. just an ounce, yep. how critical that is yep. at these points in your life. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was very, you know, so the relapsing remitting MS had me on my toes. Mm-hmm. I worked, I kept a house, I raised the three boys. I had another one in 1991. Yeah. Um, so he was right. You can still have another baby. Um, you know, the relapses were trying, but I just kept, kept it in the back of my head that that first doctor said, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And, you know, yep. after e- each relapse, um, 
the neurologists say, see, you're doing okay. I'll see you in eight years. Uh-huh. So he had the experience that with relapsing remitting, then in eight years, I would start feeling the same way again. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before that I kept that in my mind. I'm like, which year am I in? Which year am I in? And, mm. and it, did. it would rehappen again. And, you know, was it, did I expect it to happen or did it just happen? Um, yeah. But I knew that I could get through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of a positive outlook really, really helped me at that point. You had two things like, you know, as we've talked about in the past is you take a look at when the doctor says eight years, I'll see you again. And you started counting the years and you started. So you're almost like um, self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy along those lines around eight years, you're like, oh, it is going to happen. And so this whole idea with mindset shifting and you creating your reality, you created that event in eight years, essentially. Now you could go after it from a logical standpoint and say, oh, it was most likely the doctor was right based on time, yada, yada. Right. But what if he wasn't? Right. Exactly. Exactly. What if he wasn't? And, and I think now, what if I knew what I know now and Mm -hmm. I was, consuming and and putting things into my body that I shouldn't have back then, you know, putting the right things into my body and maybe it wouldn't have happened again. Who knows? But, um, I feel, I feel fortunate that I've come this far with, without much trouble. So it's a success story. And that's what I want to tell people that, um, are younger than me that are just starting out on this journey that they will be okay. Mm-hmm. They will be okay. And um, I, I never had any of that except for, you know, oh, you're going to be okay. But anybody right. who's been going, gone through it, I didn't yeah. have anybody to talk to. So, um, yeah, so go ahead. That's so beautiful, Rhonda, how you said that. You are going to be okay. And this yeah. is what I believe individuals today are not told. And you're showing incidences. The last number I read was 400 people a week are being diagnosed worldwide. Yep. With multiple stress. Over a million individuals across the planet, million plus, have been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And what the doctors are telling them is take this medication. But in many cases, the medication has worse symptom rates than it has on halting now not like becoming symptom free the medication may be only 27 percent effective at doing that and 38 percent of the time it's making people worse because it's suppressing something that they need right exactly and in you know unless somebody is really delving into exactly what happens with those drugs they don't know they're, they're just following their doctor's orders. Now, when in 1986, if my doctor had not said to me, you'll be okay, well, there weren't any drugs then, but if he, right. if there were, and he said to take it, I probably would have mm-hmm. because yep. you know, I didn't know any better. But I think we're really educating people now to, to look mm-hmm. closer at what they're putting into their bodies and, um, what they should be putting into their bodies. I, I just think it's an awesome thing. And I, I thank you for that, Matt. You oh, and, you're and, welcome. Um, but you're taking a look at, you know, like from what Janine Troutman teaches to mm-hmm. Anthony William, when he talks about his book in medical medium, yeah. or all the other books that are coming out now on individuals halting the symptoms of multiple sclerosis based on diet, 
mindset, exercise, mm-hmm. like all these things that you can actually help support yourself. But therein lies the challenge is when you are diagnosed with a disease like this, mm-hmm. you go through an almost an immediate fear response. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if you're very young and you have your whole life ahead of you, you know, if you weren't diagnosed until you got to be 70 years old, which does happen, mm-hmm. um, you, you've, you've already lived your life and you've already, already done all those milestone things, having sure. getting married, having children, you know, doing your things that you all want to do. And, and I, you know, at this point, I feel like I was blessed that I took the path that I did because I did do all those things that I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And I'm still doing them still oh, doing. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's why I love your story, Rhonda. Like anytime we speak, there's something new that you have overcome in your journey. Yep. You've said, yep. nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm headed here. And this is what I'm going to make happen for myself down from you know, we follow each other on Facebook. And one of the beautiful Mm -hmm. things on Facebook is we get to see videos every once in a while. And you shot this video of you walking down the hall unassisted. Right. And how long had it been since you, you had done that? I'm, I'm going to say probably since 2016. Okay. So yeah, because I think seven years or five when I first years. first started my job here again, it was 2014. And um I was walking independently then, but it started to go downhill. It, you know, I I was working walking independently back then, but it wasn't I wasn't great at it, you know what I mean? Sure. So it, I think it was 2016 when I said that's it, I'm gonna have to use a cane. 2016, maybe 2017. I'm like go back okay. on that a little bit. But um I remember when my granddaughter was born and um, I drove to the hospital in Rochester and in the parking garage and I was, I was walking with, without assistance then. And I remember being in that parking garage thinking, wow, this is far, you know, I hope I can get, and I hope I can find my way to where they are. And, Mm -hmm. and I got there and my son said, mom, are you okay? I'm like, I'll be fine. He goes, do you want me to walk you to your car? I'm like, no, I can do it. But it was after that point when it started getting more and more difficult for me to walk. Okay. Yeah. And at this point, had you explored food as a potential like anti-inflammatory diet, that type of stuff? I had not. I had not. In fact, I didn't even get into this sort of eating until September of 2021. I just started this in 2021 and almost, I don't want to say immediately, but it was pretty immediate. My symptoms were going away. Yeah. Not my walking issue, but everything else was all my fatigue, my mm-hmm. cog fog, all of those kinds of things vanished. And it was mm-hmm. so amazing. And what I kept thinking was, if those symptoms are going away, maybe my other ones will too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue on with this. And I, in my notes here, I, I was looking at all the things that have happened to me over my whole life. All I've wanted to do is lose weight. So what did I always eat? Things with artificial sweeteners. Um, They say you should eat lots of eggs, you know, because they're this and you should Mm -hmm. um, do this and eat that. And everything I was eating, well, most everything I was eating was actually doing me harm. Um, 
because of MS, because that I had MS. Now, any other autoimmune disease probably have the same sort of effect, effects, um, mm-hmm. but anybody I think will be healthier without gluten, dairy, and eggs. I think you're 100% correct. And when you're thinking about autoimmune conditions are now at an epidemic level. I mean, we mm-hmm. talk about, we just came off of a pandemic. I know it. You know, we're thinking about this, but we don't think about what are the incidences of autoimmune conditions that are happening in developed countries. What do we eat though in developed countries? Lots of processed foods. Take it. Yep. If anybody's curious about what you eat, just flip over the back of a package yes. of the next thing you cook. Yes. And is the ingredient list over seven items? Exactly. Exactly. And what's the first one on the, on the list? You know, it's uh, probably sugar and sugar yep. is very inflammatory. I mean, it's just mind blowing to think, and I always looked at ingredients, but I didn't look at them correctly. Mm. I always looked at him like, how many calories does this have? Yep. But and, that's um, the way it was back in the eighties and nineties, low yep. fat do this, but the way they got around fat was sugar. So hence why we're looking at diabetes type two on an epidemic rise. Why yeah. are we, why is the you know, Western developed countries. So, you know, showing uh, this level of obesity and overweight and all this stuff. And to think that doctors don't go into our food stream and try to help our food stream down from our soil health to the amount Mm -hmm. of toxins we're putting into it. Uh, I mean, natural flavors are one of 108 different chemicals that have been Mm -hmm. outlawed in Europe but they allow it here in the United States. (laughs) It's a lot that they, I mean, just take a look, red number five, um, yellow, you know, whatever it was, a yellow seven or something like that, whatever it is. We shouldn't eat that as human beings. No, No. nobody should be eating this stuff. And then those with MS, I believe it is a gift. MS is a gift Mm -hmm. because we are more aware of the toxins that are around us. Yes, absolutely. Um, And- not to mention that since I've been eating dairy-free, gluten-free, and egg-free and, you know, artificial sweetener-free, I don't eat a lot of sugar anyways. Guess what? I'm losing weight. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, you know, really, I mean, I was losing weight yeah. before, but it's, it's, I'm not gaining anything, that's for sure. And right. I'm doing the right thing. And you know what I, it's in, not on another note with the toxins thing, I was looking into hair dyes because mm-hmm. I'm going to be 64. So I'm getting rid of my gray. And I looked at the product that I've been using over the past year, probably. Yep. Not good. I've got a new, nothing, another one coming in the mail shortly. And you know where it's going in the trash. <laughs> I am not going to do that to myself anymore. But you're, you're showing something else, which is this element of self-love. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, this is not worth it. I care about myself more. Now, how often as human beings do we go and we sacrifice ourselves so that we look better? Right. We have this, we are accepted because we'll go out and have pizza with other individuals. We will go do this. 
because we are accepted, because at some level, I believe that this disease gets driven by this aspect that we are not enough. Right. Absolutely. Um, when I read that, we that do you feel like you're not enough? And you and I'm like, no, I feel like I'm enough. And then I'll think back to in my childhood or in other, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even when I was in a, it turned into an adult, mm -hmm. I did feel that way. I, you know, and, mm -hmm. and up until just now, I still felt that way. I felt that yeah. I always needed to be more. I needed to be better. Mm. Um, I needed to be smarter. I needed to, you know, but. You mean but the I'm, classic American feeling, you know, for, for most of us? Right. Yeah. But I think more important to me to be for me now is to love myself enough that that doesn't matter anymore. I I am enough. I mean, look how far look how far you and and I have come. Yeah. And we take care of ourselves now. So yeah. we go into this element of love, and I love what you did this weekend, Rhonda. You said on Sunday, you know, what? I'm going to take care of myself. Yep. I'm going to go sit on the, my porch. The sun is out. It's beautiful. And yeah. I'm going to read and I'm just going to have my celery juice and I'm just going to really take care of this. But because of that, that gave you the energy to go mow your lawn. I, I know. Like, like, yep. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, it was for, nice. All the listeners that are listening to this now, her lawn is not small. <laughs> now granted she's on a riding mower but still at that point you've got to walk to the mower you got to get mm -hmm. on the mower and swing your leg over it yeah and then you go and tell me a story where a tree had fallen a branch had broken when you look at this branch everyone it was a tree <laughs> it was so a part she, of the tree she's it got was a, a, limb. A, a serious limb laying in the yard <laughs> and she goes out there and she moves the limb out of it <laughs> And so with this all, it's really offering yourself that compassion at the beginning and then compassion at the end to say, like that pride of, wow, I did all of this. Of course I did. And really reinforcing that mindset, I am going to make this happen. And you know what that does for me, Matt? It makes, gives me more motivation to continue doing what I'm doing because mm -hmm. it's working. And I have a long life to live still, and I'm oh, not letting this getting this MS getting in my way anymore. No, um, you know, it, it, it never really was in my way, but it was always trying. And mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm really excited that this is the path I'm taking because and, it's exciting. And you know, no matter what, you're like, oh, okay, that was just a singular event. It does not yep. mean that it's forever. It's right. just, I'm going to re rewire a new neural pathway and yep. this will be past me. Yep. But look at the legacy you're leaving for your granddaughters. You're going to live this incredible life for the next 40 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. yep. And I'm going 40, Rhonda. So hey, you okay, got... well, my grandmother, my grandmother lived to 102. Okay, done. So you're going to, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're going to beat her at 104. So, <laughs> and, you know, so really with all of this, you're going to, your grandkids are going to look at you and see and say, look what grandma did. That's right. She was able to do all of this. And this is the ripple effect that we get to leave with so many showing them that this hope you do not have to be defined by a diagnosis. No, 
And, and, you know, whenever I feel a little down, like, okay, um, I'm not walking as good as I did yesterday, or I feel a little bit different. I think stop it because remember you're doing this for your granddaughters too. Mm -hmm. And they are, they are like the joy of my life right now. And they're yeah. very, very happy to be with me. And, you know, the other thing about young children, they don't judge. No. They don't think that there's anything awry or askew with me not walking well. They're just <laughs> like, come here, grandma. And, and I get on the floor and I do stuff with them. And they don't think there's anything different about me than just because I don't walk well. And they know. They're like, oh, if you don't walk well, that's okay. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Unbelievable. But yep. you brought up a really good point, Rhonda. You gave yourself a bigger reason. I'm doing this for my grandkids. And when we were going through and creating um, in the creation phase of Thrive, and we were working on all that, you actually made a really profound statement of something that you wanted and you put out there. Mm -hmm. So if you want to tell the entire audience what yeah. you've put out there for what you are going to and will achieve going to do and I think about it often and I almost can see myself doing it I'm going to take my granddaughters to the zoo and we are going to walk all the way through the zoo and look at every single animal mm -hmm. especially the yeah. zebras I'm, I'm going to walk them through the, the, the through the zoo in mm -hmm. fact on Saturday we were there celebrating Easter with them a, a week late and um, my youngest she's youngest granddaughter she's three we played pretend zoo. Can we play pretend zoo? They got all their stuffed animals out and we played zoo. I'm like, wow. I said, it's cool because you know what? Grandma's going to take you to the zoo someday. You know, it's like, oh, yay. So yeah. And how powerful is that? Yeah. Well, you've already done it. Yeah. And so in your mind, you've already done it. So following Neville Goddard or Wayne Dyer or yeah. Deepak Chopra, and all these other thought leaders, even down to the point of Dr. Joe Dispenza, as he looks at all these things, mm -hmm. once we create that experience as if it has already happened, yep. and I loved what you said, I am, you didn't say I am going to, because that's a future event that's never going right. to happen. You said, right. I am at the zoo. I'm, I am walking around the zoo. So you're yep. acting as if it is happening already. Your body, the cells within your body mm -hmm. have to align to make that event happen. Yep. So for any listener out there, that's mm -hmm. like, what are you guys talking about? This is so <laughs> huey. Think about the next time you get in the car, what do you tell yourself when you get in the car? I'm, or do you say things like, I'm going to be late. I'm going to get caught off in the road. I hate driving. I'm going to get an accident. So any of those negative things that you say tend to happen when you drive. Yep. For those that don't say that and change their language and change their thought process and say, I'm going to get there quickly and easily and safely. Right. That tends to happen inside of their lives. We're just saying, take it another level farther. Yep. Yep. Taking it. I love the quote from John Lennon that said, you know, my grandmother used to never allow me to say I have a cold. Right. She never always, say, never say you're sick. Right. Just say you're healing. Yes. I'm yeah. healing a cold. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way we, as people, anybody who is ill, 
but especially somebody who has chronic illness because mm -hmm. chronic is a word that means it's going to last a very long time. If you think it's going to happen, last a long time, it, it will. Well, and I am not letting this last. And I never thought that way either because um, mm. I had too much to do. And um, But you got um, a yeah, beautiful go example of it. When your doctor told you eight years, yes, eight years happened. It happened. Yep, mm -hmm. it did. It did. And it may have gone longer than eight years. You know, maybe I've lost track, but I would think in my mind, oh no, it's getting close. I'm probably going to get, I'm kind of going to feel bad again. And I would, mm -hmm. I would. Yep. So, so what I had a really bad exacerbation when in 2003 and, uh, and still my neurologist said, no drugs, no steroids, no nothing, because you're going to be better for it. And he was right. Mm. He was right. They should just duplicate him. I know exactly. When I came back to live over here, I, he had retired. I'm like, oh, darn. No. But I, found, I found another, I found another person that had the same, same mindset as he did. So yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that you were being very specific on the type of doctor you wanted to be with. Mm -hmm. And yep. you wanted to see. And I think it's extremely important. Some someone that really thinks about what is your mental state as you go yes. through this. Because I think that doctors today, I don't think they teach them that. I don't think they walk through because, and not saying all of them, but the majority that I have found in my mm -hmm. life follow right. that way. Right. So Rhonda, what's next? What's next? What's next is um, let me say, I'll, I'm gonna be walking better. I am walking better, but I'm going to be walking even better. Um, in the future, I'm going to be, well, in September, I'm going to be retiring. And I'm going to spend a lot of my retired time, obviously, working on my health, continuing my health. But I'm always going to, also going to spend time helping others. I think we talked about, about this before. I intend on being an advocate for people in the area that I'm living in to be a resource for them because... Like I said before, if I've gone through this myself for all these years, mm -hmm. I can help other people. I, yeah. I know I can be a positive influence on them and um, be sure. helpful. Yeah, Helping others is very helpful for yourself too. I love that you said that. That is such a great, you're giving yourself a big reason. Well, okay. Your grandkids are a huge reason. Yeah, huge. Yeah. But to help and give to others and mm -hmm. really extend this ripple effect forward, this becomes the gift of what mm -hmm. you were diagnosed with. Yes. Is that you woke up to something much bigger than you realizing that we are all one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Beautiful universe, this beautiful planet. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. We all well, need to do what we need to do. <laughs> we definitely do. Rhonda, it has been an absolute pleasure it has been such a pleasure to know you, to get to know you even further, and to have this opportunity to interview such an incredible woman that has risen above all the odds of multiple sclerosis, being not looking at it as the cascade down that even when it got rough, you said, no, there's got to be something more. And you kept looking mm -hmm. and look at what you're doing now. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I'm so, I feel so fortunate that I found Janine Troutman and I, and obviously that's how I found you. And, um, remember in the beginning, I was like, oh, I, but I am so glad I'm on this path of mindset because 
It is the, it is the answer. You have to have all the pieces. I exercise with the MS gym. I yep. do the right eating pattern with Janine Troutman. And now this mindset it is keeping me on track. It's keeping me motivated and positive that things are going to be better. I love it. Love it. Love it. So thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Rhonda, so much. It was an absolute pleasure. So um, everybody that's listening right now, this is possible to overcome what you were diagnosed with. So thank you again, Rhonda. You're welcome. I am honored to bring you this episode today. This episode, we are going to be having a conversation with Rhonda Dodson. Rhonda Dodson is a client of mine, and I've watched Rhonda do the amazing. To go from being afflicted by multiple sclerosis because she was diagnosed over 30 years ago and turn her diagnosis around to her mowing the lawn again, to her living this beautiful life that she lives. And this is all with her power of belief. And this is what you are going to be witness to today. And the joy that I have witnessing Rhonda experience a thriving life. So welcome to the Identity of Health podcast. And I am so excited for you to hear today and hear this story today of hope, love, and wisdom of somebody that thrives with MS.